Well, today we're wrapping up the series that we've been in since school kicked off called You Asked For It. And each week we've been looking at different questions that were submitted to you during the summer. And today we're going to be looking at the final question. And this series has been a fun one. I've enjoyed it. It's been uh, tough at times. It's been fun at times. And kind of organically throughout this series, some themes have emerged across the messages as we've answered these questions. And the kind of overarching theme is this, that God is love, God loves you, and God wants a relationship with you now and into eternity. And that wasn't planned, it's just kind of come across as we looked at these different questions. And now, today's final question connects with this same theme. And the question that was submitted is this, how do we reconnect with God when our relationship with Him feels weak? How do we reconnect with God when our relationship with Him feels weak? And now, if you've been a follower of Jesus for longer than, say, a year, then you know that just like a year has seasons, so too are there seasons in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we we have what, what is called being on fire for Christ. This is when you're like, God, I love you, I'll do what you want, when you want, I'll go wherever you want, and you know, you're draining your bank account, giving it away, and your spouse is like, hey, hey, chill out there, chill out, you know, we gotta, we gotta pay the bills here, right? You're on fire, and you're like, I will do whatever it takes to share Jesus with others. So, I mean, that's, that's one season. To others of us, throughout most of our lives, there's this season of a deep, abiding love with God, where we know that God is a faithful companion, just going on the journey of life with us, through the highs and the lows, we know he's there and we sense his presence in our lives. But then there's also those times where we feel like our relationship with God is weak. It's kind of distant and these seasons can be scary, especially the first time you experience it. And, and you know, a lot of times intellectually and theologically we know, well, God didn't go anywhere. God is with us. God still loves us. Sometimes we feel like there is a distance, like there's a, there's a chasm between us. And when we find ourselves in these seasons, I mean, some of us kind of take the approach of, well, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to keep going through life and kind of hope things change. Others of us are like, you know what, I'm going to read more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to go to church more, I'm going to do whatever it takes, I'm going to try to figure this out. Others of us are just like, I I don't exactly know what to do. And so this morning, what I want to share with you is one thing that I think can transform your relationship with God if it feels weak. But I also think this thing can help transform your relationship with God and strengthen it if it feels strong. It can add fuel to the fire. If you're going through life and you think things are good, but you want to have a closer relationship, this thing will work for you. And even if you don't follow Jesus and you say, I don't know about all of this stuff, if you do this thing, it will transform your life for the better. And this thing that I'm talking about, it's not new, it's not cool, it's not innovative. I didn't just make it up. It's actually quite old. It's about as old as time itself. And this thing, people practiced it from the very early days of the faith. It made its way through the rise and the fall of the Roman Empire. When the pilgrims and others came over to America, they brought this with them and it became a practice that was pretty common. This thing survived the Civil War. Throughout the last 20th century, it was pretty much part of the fabric of society. 
But it's only been in the last few decades that people have kind of pushed this thing to the side. And what I'm talking about this morning that I think can transform your relationship with Jesus is taking a Sabbath. Resting. Stopping one day a week and spending time with God. Now, a few years ago, this was before I was dating Emily. I was at the counselor because I was just feeling overwhelmed with life. I was feeling stressed out. I was at a new job. and There's lots of tasks trying to prove myself there. I was going on all these dates and they kept not panning out. And I'm like, I need help emotionally with my to-do list. It's just every day I would wake up with this overwhelming feeling of kind of dread and like, I got to figure life out. So I was at the counselor. I was telling all this to my counselor and I was like, you know, help me, you know, find the right person. Help me with my job. I'm new in this career. And I, I, I was feeling overwhelmed. And he said, well, hey, do you have like a list of things that you feel overwhelmed about or a list of things that you want to do in life or you want to accomplish? And me being me, I was like, well, of course I have a list. So I pulled out my phone and I had a list on my phone of a lot of stuff at work I needed to do. And then I, I started, at the time I had this habit, I would have three by five index cards and I would write to-do lists on them. So I had like one for the house, you know, one for like relationships, one for other stuff. And I, I started pulling out all of these index cards and I had all of these to-do lists with me. And he said, well, lists can be helpful. So why don't we put them all into one long list? And so after we added up all of these things and all these random to-do lists I had, it made a list of about 50 different things that I was feeling like I needed to do. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of pressure there. And then the counselor, he said to me, he said, hey, what I want you to do is since tomorrow's Friday, and I know your church is closed on Fridays, he said, I want you to take this list, fold it up, set it aside, and I want you to take tomorrow off. You know, that kind of sounds liberating, But it was actually terrifying. It was terrifying because I had 50 things that I felt like I needed to do. I had stuff at work, other people, they weren't taking the day off, so I knew people were still going to be emailing me, trying to get me to do stuff. I had all of this stuff in my house that needed to be done. It was dirty. All the dishes needed to be done. All of this stuff. And I'm like, look, I can't take a day off or things are going to fall apart. Things are going to crash and burn. He said, look, I need you to just trust me and take tomorrow off. And so folded up the list, put it away, slept in that next day on Friday. And I said, you know what, maybe I'll I'll go on a hike. I like to do that. So I went, was living near the mountains at the time, went on a hike, got my camera, was taking photos. And of course, you know, throughout the day, it was like I felt guilty that I was taking a day off while other people weren't. And, And that things on the list were kind of creeping in my mind over and over again. But as I napped that day, when I got to the top of the mountain, I was hiking, and as I rested, I thought, wow, this is actually pretty life-giving. This is actually pretty nice and liberating. And that day off that my counselor told me to take really began the spiritual practice of taking a Sabbath in my life. And it's something I've tried to continue to do ever since. But as you can imagine, I mean, just hearing about the Sabbath and taking a day off, I mean, it's kind of hard in our crazy busy world because there is stuff always going on and taking a day off each week is very countercultural. I mean, it used to be, some of y'all remember this, you know, when when you were at work, you did your work and when you were at home, 
you were at home. Anybody grow up in that culture, in that work culture, where you had like a huge computer, you had a huge monitor and a huge CPU, and you just left it all at work because you literally couldn't take it home? Well, as you know, now that's not the way the world works anymore. Now our work comes with us in our pockets. The schools give out Chromebooks, which means, hey, we can ask you to do anything we want any time of the day, and you need to be up to date following everything. It, it used to be that when we were at work, we worked, and we were at home, we were home, but now work creeps into home, and when we're at home, we're always, when we're at work, we're always thinking about home, and it just gets kind of one big jumbled mess. And now in our culture, it used to be that there was kind of a sense of the Sabbath, and there was a sense that things would close, people would take a day off restaurants and shops would close and it kind of helped us with this. But as you know, those days are no more. And they're probably not coming back. And so this is a very counter-cultural thing to do when in our culture, a lot of our lives look like this. A lot of our lives look like one big, long, run-on sentence. There are no pauses, there are no chances to catch our breath. There are no stopping places. This is what a lot of our lives look like. Hard to read, hard to understand, a lack of clarity. But God has given us the gift of the Sabbath as a piece of punctuation in our crazy, busy lives. And what's wild is that when my counselor was like, hey, you should take a day off, I listened to my counselor. And if you were having heart issues and the doctor said, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to slow down a little bit. You need to take a day of rest for yourself. What would you do? You'd probably listen to the doctor. But when God, the creator and designer of the universe, put into place a pattern of work and rest. When it comes to God, we say, God, you don't understand my life. I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. I can't take a day off. God, there is so much to be done. There, there, there's so many tests to study for. There's so much stuff to do. There's so many things around the house. God, I couldn't just take a day of rest because this is a crazy busy season. And we tell that to God in one season and then in the next season we say it again. And those seasons turn into years and those years turn into a lifestyle. And a lot of us end up living a life where we never take time to stop, to pause, and to catch our breath. But that's not how we were created to live. And we know this because when we look at the beginning, when God created the world, we find a pattern of work and we find a pattern of rest. This is woven into the fabric of creation. And so if you're familiar, Genesis chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. God creates the plants, the animals, the seas, the waters. On the sixth day, God creates humanity. He creates us in his image. And then in Genesis chapter 2, we read this. After six days, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So notice God worked and then he rested. And by definition, everything that God does is holy. So I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but rest 
can also be holy. So here, God models for us a life of working and a life of resting. But throughout Scripture, we don't find God just modeling this for us. We also find Him commanding it as well. Commanding it at the base of Mount Sinai. When the Israelites found themselves there, He gave them the Ten Commandments. And the fourth commandment was about the Sabbath. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll notice something interesting. The commandment about the Sabbath is the longest commandment that's given. And I think we could make the case that in our culture, it is also the most broken commandment of them all. And so in Exodus 20, before God gives the commandments, he says this. God spoke all these words. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's kind of the intro to the Ten Commandments. And then in verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so here, and when we find the commandment repeated in the book of Deuteronomy, we find a a basic definition of what the Sabbath is. And if I were to sum it up, the basic definition I would give is this. A Sabbath is set aside time for resting and remembering. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. And actually, I I want us to all say it out loud together to really get this in us so we can remember it. Say it with me. A Sabbath is set aside time for resting and remembering. In Hebrew, the word for Sabbath is Shabbat. And it simply means to rest. To stop working, to relax, cease doing your labors. And I, and I know for us, this concept for most of us, just because of the culture we live in and, and we know how it used to be, this concept of a Sabbath isn't that radical, right? I mean, we kind of know about the concept, but it's rare for us to live it out on a daily basis. It's, it's rare for us but it's not that radical. But you have to put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites' people to think about how radical this commandment was when it was first given to them. I mean, this was a major shift for them in their thinking and in their living. Because these people, just a few months before, were slaves in Egypt. And as slaves, their value, their worth, their identity was all tied up and how much they could produce. How productive they were, it was tied with their work. And so, if they could no longer work, well, they were really dispensable. And these people had been slaves. Their parents had been slaves. Their parents had been slaves. For generations, this is what they were told, this is what they were knew, that your identity is based on your work. And so, in the Egyptian calendar... They had a week of 10 days. 10 days, they would work. And then 10 days, they would work. And then 10 days, guess what they did? 
They worked. There was no stopping and there was no ceasing. And then God comes to them and says, Hey, everybody, I know that you were slaves in Egypt, but now you're free. And now I want you to stop one day a week. Work six days, but rest on the seventh. For them, this was a radical shift in their thinking and in their being. But God was telling them, look, I want, I want you to rest and trust me. Trust that I'm going to provide on that seventh day and you don't have to keep going. Trust that everything isn't going to fall apart. Rest and remember that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. I am the God who created you. I am the God of your ancestor Abraham. I am the God who will keep my promises for generations to come. And as the Israelites took this to heart, and as they began this practice of working and resting, it reoriented their entire lives and the fabric of their society. It reoriented and renewed their relationship with God as they grew in trust with Him. It renewed their relationships with one another as they spent time together. And it reflected to the world that these people were different. These people served and worshipped the God of the universe who created in six days and rested on the seventh day. This was radical for them. But now we live in a different world, right? I mean, that was then. This is now. There's a pretty big chasm between the context of the Israelites and slavery and us today. But if you think about it, our world still tells us that our identity and worth is based on what we can produce, right? Our world still tells us that busy is better. And that if you're, if you're resting, if you're, you're taking time away, then the world's going to move on without you and you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on fun. You're going to miss out on, on great opportunities for your children. You're going to miss out on that promotion at work if you actually stop one day a week. You're going to miss out. Our world tells us that who you are is based on how productive you are and what you can accomplish. Things haven't changed all that much when it comes to that message. And it's in the midst of that message that God still comes to us today and invites us to rest. To stop. And God gives us the Sabbath not as some legalistic obligation, but as a gift to us to free us, to renew us, and to draw us closer to Him. So the question comes up, I mean, well, how do we do this? Because our world is operating one way, God is telling us to operate on a different way in a different calendar. How do we do that? Well, I think the easiest place to begin is to, to just kind of break this definition up into three different pieces. And the first piece is that top line. A Sabbath is set aside time. And what this implies is that a Sabbath is going to have to be a conscious and deliberate decision for each of us. No longer is our culture going to simply give it to us. We have to be intentional about taking 
a Sabbath day. And naturally, the question comes up, well, what day is the Sabbath? I mean, is it, is it Saturday? Because for the, the Jewish people, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, that was their Sabbath, and it still is. The early Christians, they went to synagogue on the Sabbath. They rested, but then on the first day of the week, on Sunday, the Lord's Day, they celebrated that Jesus had risen from the grave because that was the day he did it. On Sunday, the first day of the week, is when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. And so over time, Christians began remembering the Sabbath and resting and worshiping on Sunday, the first day of the week. But then there are people like me, pastors and others who work on Sundays. And so, you know, well, what day of the week are we supposed to do a Sabbath? And you know what? A lot of denominations have split over this and movements have made this the biggest point in their faith. And and you know where I land on it is this. Most of us don't take any day of the week for rest. And so any day of the week is a great place to begin. Most of us don't take any day of the week for rest, so any day of the week is the best place to begin. For you, it might be Sunday, and Sunday is a great day. In our culture, there's still a little bit of stuff closed. Maybe for you and your family, it's Saturday. Maybe it's a different day. I don't know what works for you, but you have to figure out what works in your rhythm of life. And remember, it's a spiritual practice And if you think of practice like practicing a sport, you know what? One week, it it might go well, and you might think, okay, that was pretty good. And the next week, you know what? You might not have any time, and it gets crazy busy. Don't give up. Set it aside the next week and say, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to schedule it. I want to try to set things up so that I can rest, figure out what works. And for a season, it might be Sunday. Maybe you have a blended family, and some dynamics change, and things get complicated, and you need to switch days. You have to figure out what works for you. But the key is to set aside time to be conscious and deliberate. And then to keep the main things the main thing. And the first main thing to do on the Sabbath is to rest. To stop. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me. It's hard for me to just slow down Stop and relax. And maybe in your household, maybe y'all kept a Sabbath growing up, and when you think of Sabbath, maybe you were taught this, that it means you just have to sit at home, bored, and stare at the other members of your family. Anybody have a Sabbath like that growing up? I mean, you're thinking like, well, that's not restful, staring at my family and spending it with them all day. That's actually dramatic. But it's resting. And resting can mean, yeah, it's stopping, but it's not just stopping, it's, it's also doing things that give rest to your soul, that give you rest and restoration. And that doesn't have to mean just laying in bed or sitting on your couch all day. For a lot of people, actually sleeping in is a great spiritual act. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But sleeping in and trusting that the world's going to go on, even if you don't wake up on time, that's an act of trust. So for some people on the Sabbath, sleeping in, is a great thing to do. Taking a nap, reading a book. Maybe for you, it's life-giving to cook. And so you know you're gonna cook. The, The big thing is to try to push away the obligations and the things that you feel you have to do. Push away those those urges to get called up or to get ahead for the next week and rest. For me, one of the things I like to do is is to go hiking or to go walking. 
Dawson Trails down in Jackson is a great, beautiful place. I love taking my camera and just getting in nature because nature gives me rest and renewal to my soul. For you, it might be playing basketball or inviting family over for a meal. With kids, I know, this is a real crazy concept and this is very difficult. One of my friends, I was texting him this week asking him what his family does. He has like three kids under five. And so he had an interesting thing. He said his family goes to the store and buys fresh bread and then they come home and they make French toast. And that's how they start their Sabbath day. And as little kids know, today is a day of rest and it starts with French toast and they love it. But for you, I don't know what it looks like, but I want you to do something for a minute. I want you to take, take your bulletin, if you have your bulletin, open it up to the notes section. If you don't, you can just write on your neighbors if you know them. And I want you to write down something that's life-giving for you. Something and you think, if I did this, oh, that would be so restful. That would be relaxing. That would be renewing. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just taking a nap this afternoon. Maybe it's not doing the dishes. I don't know. Take a moment and write down something that would give you rest and help you feel renewed. The people who come here regularly know I'm serious. This is a literal exercise right now, not a theoretical one. So I want you to write it down. How about this? Somebody shout out who wrote down something. Shout it out. Fishing. Taking a nap. What else? Riding a motorcycle. That, that's not restful for me. That's scary for me. Uh, what else? Soaking in the pool. Reading. Music. Coffee. Hiking outside. For some people, like restoring furniture. Kayaking. Look, I don't know what gives you rest. I want you to think about that. Now what I want you to think about is the fact that all of us would love to do the thing that's on our list. God would love for us to do it as well. He wants us to experience rest. Now here's where the complicatedness of the Sabbath comes in. We long for a day of rest. We yearn for a day of rest. We want to do these things. God wants us to do these things and guess what? We don't do them. We don't do them. But this is why the Sabbath helps us grow in our relationship with God. This exact thing here. Because when we come before God and we say, God, I long for rest. I long for renewal. And God, I trust you enough to do it. That's when we grow in our faith. That's when we grow closer to him. Because if you're like me, when you think about that thing and everything going on in your life, you think, God, I... I want to do this, but I don't have time. I can't cut stuff out right now. I'm not able to say no. If I don't do this stuff, then things are going to fall apart at work. But it's when we come to that place with God and we say, God, these are, these are what I'm feeling, but I trust you. And I trust that everything's going to be okay if I take a day away. It's when we trust God enough to surrender our schedule to him to surrender our calendar to him, to surrender that day to him. 
And then on the other side, we discover that things didn't fall apart, that things are okay, that actually the world kept going while you stopped. It's then that we grow in our relationship and in our reliance with God. But it requires us to rest and to trust Him enough to actually do it. So that's the first part, is resting. But then there's also remembering. Because the Sabbath isn't just a day of rest. It's also meant to be a day of remembrance. Of remembering who God is and what God has done for us. It's a day of remembering that that God is the creator of the world. He is the way to life everlasting. And he has shown us the way of life through Jesus Christ. It's remembering that God loves us no matter how much we produce. And that our identity and our value isn't tied up in any of that. It's tied up in who he says we are. It's remembering that Jesus Christ freed us from slavery to sin and death. And that the gospel isn't spelled D-O. The gospel is spelled D-O-N-E. It's not about what we do. It's not about how much we pray. It's not about how much we give. It's not about any of that stuff. The gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ is what God has done for us through his son. And so he calls us to rest in his grace, to remember the gift of salvation, the gift of new life, the gift of daily life that he gives to us. He calls us to rest and to remember. And worship is a great place to come and to remember who God is. And to celebrate, to remember through singing, through praying, through opening up his word. But there's also other ways to do it. It might be through reading scripture. It's nice to read the Bible slowly on a day of rest and not feel like you have to fit in a two-minute devotional before you run out the door. It's nice to just pray as you walk. And sometimes I think we don't rest And we don't slow down because we're afraid of being still before God and just being in his presence because we're afraid of the things that it will bring up. But God calls us to rest and to remember, to go on walks with him. And maybe for you, it's journaling. A lot of people love journaling. I do too, to just say, hey, you know what, God, how has God been active in my life and in the world recently? When I'm feeling distant from God, when I just ask that question and begin writing down things, I think, huh, it feels like God has been up to nothing, but actually, God has been working in my life. You have to figure out what works for you. For some people, it's art. It's painting. Even if you're not good at it, that's okay. I have a friend, I didn't find this out till college, he told me growing up, he and his family, every Sunday night on their Sabbath day, had a family meeting. And he said that they would gather together just in the living room, And they would talk about their high and their low for the week, ways they could pray for one another. And then they would open up and read a Bible story and talk about it together. And when he told me that, it was interesting because it's so simple, but I had literally never heard of any family doing that. I was like, wow, your family's like super Christians. (laughs) But like, it wasn't hard. And it was a way that they together remembered who God is and what he was doing in their life. Really a Sabbath of resting and remembering. It's simply doing what God tells us in Psalm 46.10. 
when God says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Rest. And know that I am God. Remember who I am. And that I love you. Not based on how well you do in school, how you perform on the field, or how you perform at work, or whether you're even able to work. Remember that I love you because I am love. And so I would just say, start this week. Maybe you look at your calendar and you say, well, that's kind of crazy because the week's already booked up. Well, plan for the next week. If you you can't start with the whole day, start this afternoon and say, you know what? I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna take a nap and I'm not gonna worry about everything that has to get done. Start small, start somewhere, start today. And there's one final thing I want to do with you. I want you to think about how long you hope to live. How many more years you hope to live. Get that number in your head. And for some of you, it might be just a few years. Maybe due to your health, your age, you think, you know what, I only have a few years left. Maybe for others of you, maybe it's like 70 years. Maybe you're somewhere in between. I want you to think about that number. And I want you to think about what it would be like if you spent one day each week resting and remembering. One day strengthening your relationship with God. I mean, after one year, that would be 52 days. After seven years, that would be 365 days with God resting and remembering. After 25 years, it would be 1,300 days spent with God. And if you think about the average lifespan of someone, if you spent one day a week resting and remembering, spent one day a week in your relationship with God, it would add up to a total of 11 years. 11 years of investment in a relationship will change the dynamic in a relationship. And I know that if you take time to surrender your schedule, to stop and to take a Sabbath and seek God on that day that you will find him because Jesus says, if you seek, you will find. Jesus' brother James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So this week, I wanna invite you to just rest. Rest in his grace and remember that he loves you. Let's pray. God, it is so hard for us to slow down. It's so hard for us to simply be in a busy world. And God, we long for this. 
Our hearts are faint. We're weary. You want to give us this gift, so God, give us the faith to receive this gift and to trust you with our schedules, with our time, with our calendar. And God, as we do, we pray that you would give us the gift of restoration in our hearts, in our relationships with others, in our relationship with you. God, give us rest in our bodies. God, give us rest in our souls. God, give us rest as we remember who you are and what you've done. God, we know after this, people are going all different places and some people, the day's already planned and we've got to run off. And so we just want to say thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for a time where we can come and receive your grace and your mercy. We praise you for these things and we praise you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would meet us now. It's his holy name we pray.